Hello and welcome to episode 25 of The Edge Backstage Pass, the weekly podcast from the Tuesday night show at the London comedy store The Edge. This week our esteemed panel stay largely on the biggest news topics, although there's a couple of strong cameos from somebody's allotment. Listen out for some splendid sporting analogies and see if you can guess whose Poundland headphones start making a weird noise towards the end. Honestly, I despair. Hi, I'm Alex Keeley. I have just had my first haircut in six months and I've, it's amazing. You look lovely. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eleanor Tiernan. Uh, I should have been uh, going back to my home country of Ireland today, but I was deemed too much of a threat to public health. Uh, oh. And so I'm here on this podcast, which is almost good. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Norcott. And all I want to know right now is what Eleanor did in that queue. Um, and i'm roger monkhouse hello and i've um just been dealing with an infestation of lily beetle pupae in the garden what what, wow what um why 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 are you not allowed back in there what's what's the deal is that something you've known for some time or is that uh what what, i I don't have a situation between us and, and ireland at all what's happening yeah, there was, I was uh, booked to do some work uh, in Ireland, uh, but uh, apparently uh, the UK's numbers aren't low enough uh, um, to allow me to come back into. They're setting a threshold, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to. I, I could have gone. Actually, it was a slight lie. I could have gone and quarantined for two weeks no, to do, do a, a, a trial, a two-hour trial of a panel show. Um, that would never <laughs> see the light of day. <laughs> if you've so got to want it, you've got to want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I really do want it, yeah. <laughs> the turning yeah. So, so that's, that's the R number, presumably, which is, which, and that's set in advance, and that will it's, be triggered as and when the R number falls below, or, or, or you'll be enabled, you, you will be allowed in when the R number falls below, is that right? Yeah, Ireland is producing a green list of countries who uh, basically are less uh, are, are less infected with COVID than Ireland itself. So uh, I guess it's it's rating countries based on yeah the R number of the, the number or the number of cases per hundred thousand people uh, in the country. And uh, the only countries that are meeting the criteria are places like uh, Estonia, um, like. Uh, places that we have zero connection <laughs> to whatsoever, while the countries we uh, do a lot of uh, work, dealings with, uh, which are the UK and the US, are not uh, are, are are not making the the cut, unfortunately. So it's and very, it's uh, very annoying. Where's Andorra at the moment? Is Andorra currently <laughs> allowed in? I know the Andorans have had issues at the R end. Are they currently allowed in Ireland? They they are allowed, which is bizarre because we we don't nobody's ever come to Ireland from Andorra. It's never actually even <laughs> happened. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the Andorrans. <laughs> I just hope that they don't let it slip through their grasp. Historically, when these things come around, it's a chance for them to uh, strike up new trade deals. <laughs> I'm starting to think Jeff's got interest in Andorra. I think yeah. The, um, that's what these smaller. That's like yeah. That's what these smaller countries should be doing now. That they should be like it should be like a kind of money laundering but like medical laundering operations so that Eleanor should be flying to Andorra for like a night. Mm-hmm. And then she, then she like goes in as dirty, dirty UK Eleanor and comes out as like oh, yeah. clean Andorra and Eleanor, like ready to fly off to, 
to Ireland. I have a very long history in this in this country. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to have to learn to do some very weird accents, aren't we? To try and <laughs> what does the San Marinan sound like? Marinian. Well, I'm just imagining aura? Italian, but Italian, but like little. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where's where's Andorra? Is that sort of South France, Italy, Adriatic, or what is it? I don't know where Andorra is, for that matter. Pyrenees, isn't it? It's a skiing destination. Oh, uh, right. Okay, so Spanish, French, south south of France, somewhere mm. around there. Do they mm. speak French? Are they francophone? Is that the word? Or do they speak Spanish? What's the equivalent of francophone for Spanish speakers? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're sort of find out. I don't know. <laughs> Cod European simple <laughs> accent would work, I'm sure. What's happened to Eleanor in this discussion is exactly what can happen in Andorran communities. Very quickly, you can be promoted to have a lot of responsibility. <laughs> this is what happened to the Andorran president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just minutes of discussion, he just flew through the ranks. <laughs> suddenly the trade minister. I think you'll find that the Principality of Andorra is a sovereign landlocked microstate of the Iberian Peninsula <laughs> in the Eastern Pyrenees, bordered by France to the north of Spain, with Spain to the south. That's, Needs- that's very impressive off the top of your head. I Needs just- citations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Wikipedia. It's probably not true. Yeah. <laughs> is it? What is it? It's usually when, usually when, like England plays football, them, uh, whatever. It's that the whole population can fit inside the stadium. So, isn't it like? That's, is it sub hundred thousand? Is that true? I think it's one of those. Uh, basically, I view it as countries that England should beat by more than two nil, but don't. I'm still stuck in the late 80s when mm. we used to do these teams 8-0 at Wembley Gary Lineker getting 8 goals what sports do that like horse horse racing does that you get like weights on really good horse. like are there any other sports where like if you if you get good you, like I guess you get handicaps in golf or whatever but like what a like they should have that there should be like a, you have to it 2-0 counts as a draw against Andorra I think that the <laughs> pressure to win 8-0 is now the handicap the expectation right. <laughs> yeah. it's like in many ways so it's like gigging at the comedy store it's like you sort of go out there thinking well anything less than a comprehensive three nil here isn't good enough like, <laughs> yeah. you failed you failed yeah yeah. Which um, which is one of the worst ever pep talks I had before going on stage at the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smash this or never come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to pressure, I think that I, I don't know about you, I would sort of sometimes rather, certainly gig wise, that the odds to be slightly against me than totally in favour of me. And there is that feeling sometimes with a gig, remember them? Where <laughs> like you just become like everyone was so focused on you. You think, well, all that could happen is that I fall off this wave that I'm surfing now. I'm on the wave. That's the hard bit. The terrifying bit is just staying on the wave now. Yeah. I found that worse, you know. It's like that thing when you li- like a team and, and you, you I, I have this team at home we follow, but like I would always prefer for them to be like three points down at halftime. Yeah. And <laughs> then I have far more confidence in them having a good second <laughs> half, half if, they, uh, if, they're, if they're losing. For some reason. Fascinating yeah. seeing people commenting on football again, like Facebook and stuff. You know, just, I mean, I'm not, I don't particularly follow football myself, but somebody pump, pops up on Facebook just kind of from my hometown going, oh, this Luton Town side are going to be the death of me. And it's like, oh my God, you people are watching football again. This is, this is what's been <laughs> missing. It's good. I mean, yeah. it's good that it's moved to Luton from COVID is going to be the death of him in a way that <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign that nature's in. But did you see how well Test Cricket... It turns out that a sport that was barely watched in, in the ground on the fifth day actually 
withstands a, a sort of no crowd situation quite well. It's, it was I, I, oddly, I disagree. I mean, even even the cricket, which traditionally has had no crowds, is still much much the, the lesser as, as as a result of there being no crowds. The lack of atmosphere, because you realise how intrinsic. Um, crowds are to sport and, and, and how meaningless it, it becomes when, when the stadium's empty, which is why, of course, they, they put on the ridiculous soundtracks, but, but, but they're so unconvincing, <laughs> it's hilarious and just as unsatisfying. Do you have any plans, Simon, for soundtracks uh, for the comedy store gigs uh, to play? Absolutely, yeah. That's the only way forward, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, as long as my laughs aren't used for anyone anyone else. Uh, yeah. I could I could have done with a soundtrack in the second show in that car park gig, mate. That would have been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was all right. You weren't you weren't sure, but yeah. No, no. Well, it's because the thing about those car park gigs, they're a lot of fun. I'd say any comedian should have a go, but they, they you because you're looking for the big beeping of the horns at the end. It's very backweighted on the outcome, whereas like if you can see and feel people, you're sort of going with the nuance of the routine. But you just suddenly there comes a point, especially in a longer routine, where you're going, I hope everyone beeps at me at the end of this. <laughs> I hope, hope I'm heckled by a car. But when that noise does come, it is just strangely gratifying. So yeah. have you seen anyone in one of those car gigs? Have you seen anyone that, like, because, you know, sometimes routines have like a kind of almost false punch time, right? That maybe like two thirds of the way through, but then there's like another bigger thing that moves. Have you ever seen anyone someone get like beeped to fuck and they're like, no, no, stop, stop beeping. This is going to get, this is just uh, the turn to the good none shit. Of us, none of us had that problem Friday, Alex. Sadly. Right. Okay, good. Good to, so good to avoid problems. I speak myself. No, it was. It was. I, I sort of was expecting the late show to be. I said, this is where I went wrong. I was thinking the late show will be a bit looser. They'll have had a drink, and then like, will they, Jeff, in a car? Will they have had a drink? Probably not. Well, the cars parked all wonky and stuff. Yeah, yeah like you can guarantee yeah. that minimum of like the driver in every single car was sober. Northampton, most of them. <laughs> it does mean that you sort of like you you do eventually take that on board and just think, well, they can see me and they can hear me, and and and, and you have to. Yeah, it's, you just have to get into the performance of it. And um, the screen as well helps. I mean, like from a comedian's point of view, the sort of ego wank of being on a big screen. It's, everyone's like, you take photos of me when I'm on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll crop. Cool. We'll crop well. We'll crop well. Yeah. <laughs> on put on Facebook in a year. Cropped well, and then it just looks like you're just doing some smashing gig once the vaccines come back. And yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, vaccine. Oxford University. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let this out. Though, where they said, uh, you know, the va- I, I feel like this headline has happened quite a lot, but this may be the one that's true. But I feel like I've got excited about a lot of headlines. Yeah about vaccines but this this may be the one and we've we've already bought this is what i don't say we've already bought 60 million of these that yeah. I, there must be some sort of caveat asterisk if they work i hope so anyway <laughs> yeah well the news story seemed to say that nobody was injured by it in the tests which didn't seem to be really the the information we were looking for, but yeah, yeah, it's a t- and it provoked antibodies as well, which is all supposedly promising. But 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 vaccines for coronaviruses are are, are just notoriously impossible to find, aren't they? We haven't found a vaccine for the flu virus yet, even though flu has been around forever. So 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 the prospect of a, of a perfect vaccine being developed in, in 
no time at all is very very poor and always was but but this of course you you continue to research it in good faith i presume that's what's happening there but being terribly excited by headlines like that which are so provisional is 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 perhaps a little foolish and they think it might still transmit right that it might be like that that it, it might just prevent you from getting ill but you might still be a carrier like they might not give you like full Oh right. Okay. I mean, if they, I think that's one of the things I don't know yet, right? That's no, these vaccines. If they do come up with a vaccine, it's really going to throw a light on the flu guys. Beecham's conspiracy, they call that, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that really does sound like a, an official conspiracy. <laughs> but then the flu guys will just be like, "Look, okay, if you just all we're asking for you to do is make flu thirty times deadlier than it was, and that will give us the kind of motivation that we need to make these breakthroughs." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get funding thrown at you. You'd sold sixty yeah. million on the basis of that no one <laughs> ill after they took it. <laughs> well, with flu vaccines, though, it's, it's about mutation, isn't it? That's the problem. And constantly they're guessing at the next year's mutation. And apparently some some years flu vaccine can be quite effective. And other years they just get it wrong because they're second guessing the flu mutation for the following year. Where, and, 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 and I don't think COVID-19 mutates like flu does. <laughs> and, and so perhaps that's something which is... Uh, all to the good and which would be advantageous in when, 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 when you're trying to develop a vaccine. Nonetheless, any coronavirus is, is apparently practically impossible to find a convincing vaccine for. Well, whatever, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's well above my pay grade, obviously. <laughs> it does sound like the kind of thing coronavirus would do, which is to just convince <laughs> us that it doesn't mutate. And then just when we think it won't mutate, it'll just... I have- Really Turn enjoyed into... the anthropomorphisation. Yeah. <laughs> I also think, like, you know, saying it above your pay grade, Roger, that I've seen a lot of daily briefings with something being above someone's knowledge base hasn't <laughs> absolutely <laughs> quite freely on, on, on things and just speculate. Yeah, I think that'll probably happen. Yeah. I feel like well, it's inspired so many people, hasn't it, to be sort of part-time professional immunologists on Facebook and Twitter as well. Every, everyone's a fucking immunologist and 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 a virologist now, mm. aren't they? And 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 the amount of, of of anger and hot air which is consequently released as soon as you drift onto social media just just is a an inspiration to stay off it. Well, <laughs> yeah, and there's like there there are just like certain stats in isolation that you can take, which makes it sound like there's not like you know what now that like all cause mortality has like dipped below the five year average because mm. COVID isn't very prevalent and because we're not doing the sort of activities like driving as tough as much as we we would be that it means that we're, people are dying at a slightly lower rate than they would be at this time. That doesn't make up for the massive spike that happened in, in April, May. But you can say the sentence, we're now at a lower mortality than the five-year average in, in, like, in this window of time. And if you just take that on its own. Apparently last winter was a light year for deaths as well, which left a vulnerable population waiting for the, <laughs> for the whole thing to happen. Wow. That's another um, a piece of analysis which I've read recently, which has some sort of superficial credibility, of course, but, but only in the long term. People <laughs> yeah. look at these stats and understand them. Only five What's years it? hence will, will you be able to really look back and make sense of it all. Yeah. It makes for an interesting diagnosis from the doctor. By rights, you should have actually died last year. Uh, <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah. That, that, that's, See, that's it's a bonus. See, it's a bonus yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. 
And frankly, I'm glad <laughs> the coronavirus came around because your family have mortgages to sell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is why the developing world really gives far less of a fuck about it than it does about the economics though because there are so many people with with comorbidities hanging on in our society in, in the developed world who are there for the taking of course when something like covid19 turns up whereas all of them people are already dead in bangladesh and wherever else aren't they because of course they haven't got the sophisticated medicine to to, to hang on year after to year like for a long bit, yeah no, I, I i think though with, with the excess there kind of going below the five-year average they're, they're, you're right it, well, you know it's got to go some to make it up but just for example if by the end of the year like it was say on aggregate fifteen thousand more deaths this year than usual i think we're gonna like for our kids when our kids go a future generation we're gonna have to really explain why <laughs> because they won't have the context of everything that happened why it happened they'll have a lot more black and white facts and they'll be going so why did you not absolutely shit the bed and shut everything forever and we go no yep. no no the time they won't give a yeah. <laughs> where we were at because it would have because it would have been yeah. because it would have been bigger right that's what that's I mean, what completely sucks about this agree, kind of thing i'm just saying like that nuance for future generations i mean you get it with like the housing market and i've said it myself but you know you sort of say to boomers oh you lot were just getting cheap houses and fucking, you know i've said that myself but then on reflection everything else was expensive when they had to buy a house interest rates were higher i do think we've even simplified the benefits of the housing market so it'd be very easy for a future generation that wanted uh, an explanation for why things went tits up to kind of go <laughs> you absolute fannies but like, you shit the bed expectancy and the life expectancy of my children my standard of living is is maybe two-thirds three-quarters of what it might have been just to prolong briefly the lives of a few long forgotten ancestors <laughs> I think I guess like also the amount that we're doing over this I think it will be funny in like 20 years if like climate change has got even worse that they'll be like okay so you did all that for coronavirus and then you did nothing for this other similar thing that you had to imagine what the, you couldn't see the direct consequences of your actions in front of your eyes as you can that's see about that. risk assessment isn't it that that's mm. about evaluation of risk and getting it right of course and and there's a, there's a plausible argument to be made that we've overestimated the genuine risk to us all of society of, 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 of COVID-19. We've massively overestimated that and underestimated other existential risks. And also dangerously, because we've had a period where there's been less CO2, we sort of, a lot of us think that's our offset done now. Like, you know, like when you drive in like average speed limit uh, for like you, where the average speed limit restriction is 50 miles an hour and you go for a while at 35, you go, well, I can go at 65 for a while now. And overall, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm not saying that that is the right way to think, but I wonder if a lot of people will think, we didn't fly for four months. Come on. Also, also, yeah. what's even so, so with that analogy, it's like even worse because it's like there was that report halfway through the lockdown where, where someone said, like, we still haven't hit the emissions, the emissions reduction, if you just replicated that, it still wouldn't be enough. So it's like we were in a 30 zone and we were going at, we we were going at fifty, and then we went down to thirty five. For we didn't even go down to thirty. And we, we just thought about going down to, to thirty. Yeah, we went hundred miles an hour for the rest of it. Yeah, 
Fair it's enough. like just putting points in the bank, isn't it? You you, you yeah. get you get credit like you eat well for uh from Monday to Saturday and then Sunday Sunday you just go, It's like it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, I forgot what it's called. It's like virtue licensing or something like that. This is why uh, if you do things that are good, you feel you have the right to be self-righteous and do things that are wrong. It gives you that license. That's why cyclists are such cunts, basically. <laughs> 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 you think as a cyclist, Roger, are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sort of doing that with like personal risk though as well. Like I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I, I think you've got about a unit. It's like all the guidelines seem to be just completely subjective now. And it just, uh, so, so I just see like, you get to eat like three units of risk a week. And so like, if you don't, if you manage to like go shopping once every two weeks, you can get like a haircut or like, if you don't, if, if you don't, go to the pub and you don't eat out, you get to go on like a date that violates social distancing rules. <laughs> Once like, it's just like, what's your like personal a la carte risk that keeps you at a like broadly acceptable? I found, so I don't know if anybody's been surprised by the way that people have reacted to things. When lockdown first started, I thought when the restrictions were lifted, everybody would be like, get me out there. Do you know what I mean? I thought that there would be a real appetite to go back out. And I, I'm completely wrong about that. My people across all age ranges are very reluctant all my mates are like that. I, I was, you know, the first day the pubs were open, I was back out. I'm not saying I've gone out every single night, but I was very keen to reassert that liberty. That's, that's exactly, surely <laughs> that's exactly what the mask thing is all about. It's because people who are fragile to start with have been scared shitless by the whole thing. To some extent, the whole government information campaign has worked too well and people are still too scared to come out. And that's, that's why people need reassurance with the mask thing. That's why they're making masks compulsory in shops, is it not? Because broadly speaking, people aren't going out. And, and uh, some are, of course, and it depends on your personal reaction but apparently pubs and restaurants are, are getting 50% of the trade before lockdown from before lockdown so even though and that's you know that's irrespective of the measures introduced to promote social distancing but people basically are not going out they're, they're still hiding inside for whatever reasons partly economic uncertainty of course as well if you're furloughed or work, what waiting to be made redundant or, or if or, or if like us you've got no future possibly at all then then of course you're, you're, you're going to hold back aren't you on on consumer confidence um but people broadly speaking aren't going out and a lot of people clearly relatively rational functional people are just never going to leave their houses again they're too fucking scared aren't they 26 percent of people said they're not going to send their children back to school in september i mean that's just mm. that's mad i think but still that's a shockingly high percentage isn't it is that the reason behind letting out like what you were calling fairly spurious bits of vaccine news and stuff? Is that sort of encouraged then, do you think? To, to public reassurance. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe. I mean, certainly the mask thing. I mean, the, the illogicality of introducing masks or making them compulsory in shops when they're not compulsory in offices is, is, is transparent. And, and arguably the science is certainly unproven about the benefits of mask wearing but it's a confidence thing it's about apparently as far as i can possibly see in terms of policy it's about making shoppers confident it's about bringing people back to the shops 
Um, it's really yeah. exposing our inability to to think rationally about risk. Mm. So I think yeah. having done uh, uh, been in an office block last week, I um, where the risk it was all kind of being uh, it was it seemed quite oppressive. You know, wear the mask all, all day. Here's your set of cutlery for the day. Here's your mug, uh, and I had to clear my throat a couple of times throughout the afternoon and started <laughs> to feel, oh my god, you know, just. Coupled with the circumstances I was yeah, in, yeah. I started to believe I had the COVID, <laughs> went home yeah. or ordered a test and, and was, you know, 24 hours later, I was like, what, what are you doing? But then I was in this whole cycle of, you know, the test is, is a long process. You've got to book a courier and all that. And, I, I, you know, I really paid the price for allowing myself to be kind of talked into you know i talked myself into actually thinking i had i had i had the the virus and um it's it, it, it you're made relatively me think, sane you're relatively like sane think, but, yeah. but the more the more batshit <laughs> crazy people yeah. have been doing this for months and and they're climbing the walls and and and, and they're terrified they're terrified doesn't take that much to scare people yeah it's different levels right so like I like to think that I wouldn't be like how Alan has been there. What I would do is I would, to have my panicked Pavlovian reaction, I'd hope I would, my brain would wait 10 to 14 days for the incubation <laughs> period. And then be like, oh, what about that? I just hope I'm one degree more sophisticated, but still the exact same thing, but just a full viral incubation period. I, um, yeah. I think fear is like, but once something has really scared you to your core, like I've got my dog, when we, um, there's, there's a footbridge where I take her for a walk. And we, when she was relatively young, uh, someone came jogging across the footbridge and it wobbled, right? And it made me nervous and it made her nervous too. But that exact spot, every single fucking time, she cowers when she goes past it because she sensed mortal risk, right? And and I think once, you know, you've mainlined that, that reaction, if, you, if you're not somebody that thinks about how you think, which I think stand-ups tend to do that, you don't interrogate how you feel. If you just say, well, I have a feeling and I must kind of be guided by that or let that feeling be my master, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna take more than just unlocking. It's as Roger said. Like you got to actually, you got to level with people again and go. Look, we said that for this reason, and this is the reality of risk that you face. But even like people know about the average age of mortality being eighty-four. People know how few people under the age of 40, sixty of, without a comorbidity have died. We all sort of know that, but it hasn't stopped people being guided by it. Mm. And, and fear is by definition irrational and it, it's fear upon which the public information has been placed or based over the last few months. There's a noble lie wasn't it about face masks they sort of wanted to preserve face masks for PPE so they sort of said uh, I mean it never seemed that plausible did it they were going oh yeah no this stuff that comes out of your face um, something that covers your face doesn't really help you know <laughs> it feels like it would help a bit it does feel like it helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah. it's Wait. <laughs> You see, I'm, I'm very anti-face mask. I mean, you know, you, it's, it's happening. Uh, and whether or not it brings confidence back for people, I don't know. But I'm against face masks because I think it's incrementally dehumanising. And, I, you know, it's not something I would have introduced despite the, 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 the squeals of, of, of Karen on Facebook. Um, I, I wouldn't have pandered to that personally because, until there was absolute proof that face masks were valid. And there's no proof one way or the other at the minute. But I think it's incrementally dehumanising and, and just reduces our existential lived experience. And I thought, you know, I, I think it's wrong to... I think, I think it would always foolish to undervalue the, the power of a stranger's smile to the well-being of the human heart. I think that's really important. And I think shops are going to be awful places when everyone's wearing a face mask. 
You've got to get the eyebrow, eyebrow, eyebrow yeah. action. You've got to get the eyebrow action, kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite looking forward to walking out of my local shops and not recognising anyone. It'll be a fantastic <laughs> glimpse into the world of senile dementia. The only real downside that I've found is that my phone doesn't recognise my face. So I have to keep putting my nah. pin number in so I can't be facially recognised. Isn't that the opposite then? Are we, you know? I, I, I see what you mean, yeah. What we found yeah, with, with the whole facial recognition it's, thing. It's, it's, yes, that's right. Definitely. I think we found uh, another, um, like, you know, the, these these two personality types that we keep finding, whether it's the blue and gold or blue and white dress or Brexit or how you feel about Meghan and all this stuff. It's just another thing where do, do you like the government? Not like it, but do, do you accept that and feel reassured by, by something going on your face to make you feel safer? Or does something going on your face make you feel unsafe and it, does it cause the kind of anxiety for you that not wearing it would for other people but that's the that's the fun tension at the moment isn't it jeff because yeah. it's divided where the people who hate the people who love government hate this government so it's a real tension yeah, yeah, yeah. so some people will be like i i'm a libertarian tory or i'm a status labor person which of my two no, devils and angels yeah. do i listen to yeah i think we could learn a lot from uh, tyra banks uh on on the whole area <laughs> of masks she has uh, an incredible technique that she teaches her models the thing called i think called the smize smizing uh and it's where you want to smile but you don't want to open your mouth uh and and it's it's deemed a bit of a goofy look on camera so you want to keep your mouth closed but you want to convey the fact that you're smiling with your eyes so you smile um so um yeah kind of the mona lisa effect isn't it (laughs) i feel like i should do an an example here but yeah (laughs) so you've just got to think that you're smiling but not smile like, yeah, that's that kind of looks that kind of looks like coquettish. There's like a sort of coquettish <laughs> thing that I accidentally Because <laughs> like Roger was saying about the smile of a stranger, mm. what you and Alex, you said about eyebrows raising, the surprise of a fellow human isn't as nourishing to the soul. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's there's a potential for misinterpretation there I, i've experimented with my mask and it's very hard not to look alarming whatever i attempt to convey you need to get one of those ones with like a smiley face on it or something much yeah could we finish as we often do on this podcast with something positive from everybody i always think i'm being positive yeah <laughs> i'm totally deluded about my my alpha i always like you know i tweet things thinking i'm being playful but and then you go oh yeah people read it with their head anger um i i love human beings and and coronavirus <laughs> has made me realize that more and more i love being around people because it's supposed to be funny as well probably yeah that's profound and lovely I, I'm, I'm i think that's cool i think that's wonderful i i, I completely endorse that and i think that's lovely i'll I, my, my positive thing is that uh, my my potatoes my main crop potatoes are now are now harvesting very well and i and consequently my lack of funds will be offset perfectly by produce coming down from the allotment that's, that's the great news roger i'm sorry we never got yeah. to your beetle blight or whatever it was you had going on at the you beginning <laughs> oh the lily beetles yes oh they, they yeah. destroyed my lilies this year never mind you know always next year isn't it always next year can't eat a lily roger this is a tough times so yeah beetle blight sounds like a european country where they didn't take off like in the 60s and it was just it's a beetle blight this ang- anglophone music coming over here. yeah like the german capacity to make long words that they com- very complex things ich habe beetle blight yeah and it also it doesn't just refer to beetles it refers to all situations where bands weren't able to make inroads across foreign territory <laughs> 
I'll tell you about um, uh, the joy of a, a WhatsApp group that has reignited uh, for me. Um, uh, so before Christmas, I was part of a, uh, a group of comics doing a particularly uh, gnarly set of Christmas gigs. And uh, we felt like we'd been through the wars at the end of them. We dealt with all the, you know, the loud guys in the office and then, uh, you know, came away thinking we'd been in the war. And then this week we, we, we started our WhatsApp going, God, I would so love to be back <laughs> in that scenario again. Just teaches you to really appreciate uh, live, live uh, comedy, I think. And, and uh, just... Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. So I agree so much with that. And I'd love, I'd even love like one of those gigs where you go on almost like that it's been such a shit night and you go on almost like delirious. It's kind of what almost like Jeff was saying in the beginning about like you almost quite like going on when the odds are against you, where like you go on with this like impish smile because you're like, Worst case scenario, they were a bunch of pieces of shit and they didn't <laughs> like what I did. Best case scenario, I've just, I've just, uh, I've smashed it when none of the other comedians have. And there's that implicit. There's what that implicit. Like, you know, someone, someone fucked up, didn't they? It's like cricket. If it was like cricket, you don't want to be going into bat after everyone else has made a hundred, you know? Because yeah. the only yeah, thing you can yeah. do is not be as good. What you want is a... <laughs> and also, if anyone's listening and doesn't understand either cricket or comedy club references, then... You know, Christmas gigs are, you know, that tricky. They're, they're stoke on a Wednesday night. Now I've gone to a football analogy. We just keep going here. <laughs> need an analogy for every group of humans in the country, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Once again, proving that even comics who read all the newspapers only really want to talk about comedy. For our live section, Roger and Jeff are joined on stage by Rob Rouse and Lauren Patterson and rather a lot of American students. Stone hosting the first section of the show. Right, the net. Oh, I use that one. You're quite right. So the net. Oh Christ, that was loud, wasn't it? So the next game is called Burning Issues. Would you please welcome to the stage Jeff, Lauren, and Roger back onto the stage here, and I'll get them all a microphone. There we go. Help yourselves. So how many people, by way of a show of hands, uh, have seen uh, Question Time? Because I'm well aware we've got a lot of people who, who've just arrived in our country. Question Time, who has not seen Question Time? It's basically questions uh, at a time, and uh, people <laughs> ask questions. And it's political questions. What do, you, what do you call it? Do you have an American equivalent on your big channels there? No, not, not at all, no. No, we don't got no political discussion present, but... Uh, didn't make any sense to myself. Uh, anyway, so I'm like, I, so basically, I'll, we'll talk about a burning issue of the day. Uh, we'll discuss it with the panel, and then we'll throw it open to you for your questions. The burning issues of the day. Uh, one of the burning. Where the fuck are you going, sir? That's the first burning issue. I'll follow you to the. This is a wireless microphone. Do, do you have a burning issue? Or uh, clearly, that's why you're going to the toilet. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Suggest some cranberry. Um, so lots of things happened in the news. Uh, here we go. Is it okay to body shame uh, the Donald Trump, your, your president, to, about... Because uh, Stormy Daniels' book came out, which she described in quite detail. The president of the United States of America, the leader of the free world's penis, looking rather like a mushroom character that can be found in the Mario Kart game, which has ruined so many childhoods now. It's a weird, it's That's a ruined so many children's childhood. But here's the question, guys. In our uber-mega-woke times, okay, is it okay, hashtag me too, to body shame the president 
about his dick dick, so I'll throw it no, over to the panel. No, it, no, it's not. He's a human being. He's got feelings. He's, well, he hasn't got many of them because he's fucking tiny, but he, I, I'm sick and tired of all this dick shaming, you know? We've bat shaming. Stop with the dick shaming, ladies, okay? Because us guys, I mean, guys with small dicks, right? <laughs> they work fucking hard, you know? I mean, the problem with Don is he's also got small hands, so he's fucked on every level, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, you don't need big arms, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> um, in, in, in fairness, uh, on the election trail, I seem to remember he, he boasted about the size of his member. Uh, so arguably, it's it's open, you know, it's, it's fair game, isn't it? That's, that's, that's my point. If, if he opens the subject, then someone who might have been privy to its actual dimensions uh, <laughs> arguably right. has a legitimate I didn't role know that, in Roger. the debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean what a strange thing to talk about on the campaign trail. Oh, oh, for me, I've got it a massive in, wang. I swear to God, it was in one of the televised debates because, yeah, yeah, yeah check it out. YouTube it. Google in it. Fairness, though, if, he, if you're dumb enough to sleep with a porn star, right, as part of you, what you're doing, well, she'll never talk about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, but he did, he did speak about it in the debate. Yeah, he... Uh, but he spoke about a lot of stuff. He spoke about walls he was going to build and stuff like that. He did. It's a very strange thing, is it, when famous people... It's like when Leslie Grant from Dirty Dan got caught. Oh, the Americans are going to get that one wrong. <laughs> it's basically Falcon Crest actor. Um, and he was a very famous actor in Britain. He was having a masturbation session was over the internet, in the early days of the internet. Yes. And at some point he thought, well, as if the other person at the end who's just uh, maybe 12 pounds has gone, well, I'm just had a mutual masturbation session with Dirty Den, the most famous actor in Britain. I'll probably keep that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Naivety, isn't it? Tragically, of course, he's, not the, he's, he's actually the second president in my lifetime who, who's, whose penis has been discussed openly. Mm, yeah, uh, also, yeah. So it's not unprecedented. But in fairness, I think we should respect and appreciate uh, what rich entertainment Donald Trump has brought to the world. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're all old enough to remember how dull the world was un, un, under the slightly pious uh, regime of, of Obama, being statesmanlike and tedious. Uh, and, and, and now the White House is basically in the hands of crazy Grandpa Simpson. Uh, <laughs> practically anything could happen. And, and we all devotedly tune in every morning just to see how far away we are from the day when he holds a press conference dressed in his Spider-Man pyjamas, eating... <laughs> Ben and Jerry's out of the tub. It's fucking brilliant. It's a great time to be alive. I'm Do you know what I, I enjoyed was when, when he came over to, for his state visit to the UK, everyone's worried they would embarrass the Queen, but she fully took advantage, didn't she? It was, like, it was almost like Donald Trump was the most compelling sort of argument against the Republic. That's what <laughs> she was standing behind him going, yeah, you get rid of me, you might get one of these pricks. So just, yeah, you think my kids are wrong-uns. I'm beginning to wonder whether he might be in an art installation. Anyway, I thought that they got more in my head. Anyway, <laughs> Lauren, do you have any opinions on uh, on Donald Trump? I just think we need to stop comparing dicks to vegetables. <laughs> it, it doesn't make us want to eat more of them. <laughs> either, either of them. Like I've had a lot of friends who slept with um, Gaz from Geordie Shore, which might be a reference that is too young for this crowd. Um, but his got described as a parsnip, as if that was a good thing. And I was like, they're for Christmas, not for fucking, no. And you have to, you have to roast them for a long time, don't you, parsnips? Yeah. Really. And cook them in turkey, too, <laughs> <so> that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. 
<laughs> don't know about you. I've had, you can't go to schools telling kids to have five a day. Um, we we seem to have entered a vortex of innuendo. We here, have, yeah. which, which I'm not sure. So let's throw it out differently. That the uh, also uh, another story that caught my eye was: uh, Did you hear about um, people were discussing whether Bert and Ernie, the Sesame Street characters that we all grew up with? whether they were living in a same-sex marriage or whether they were just fucking puppets. It's hard to tell. <laughs> Does anyone have any opinions on that? Anyone see it? Well, they used to go, they used to, go to bed together, didn't they? But so did Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, you know. No one gossiped about them. <laughs> but it's a salacious world and we, we degrade everything, don't but we? I, you know, I, I, I hate to be old. I, I try hard not to be homophobic. I, I, but... I, Although, in fairness, I think, <laughs> with my piles, I've got some legitimate reservations about the whole person. <laughs> With due respect to those of you who might be. Okay, all right. That, that was, uh, <laughs> As I said, it's very much like question time on the BBC, this. Has anyone got a burning issue they'd like to ask the panel? Has anyone got a question, an issue of the day, something that's really eating whether they'd like to have it rigorously dissected? Serena Williams. Serena Williams. I'll oh, come over to you, love. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you? Who said Serena Williams? Where's uh, lady? Hello, what's your name? Meenal. Meenal. Nice to meet you, Meenal. And what's your question about Serena Williams? What they think about Serena Williams. About, right, so whether, if you didn't see this, Serena Williams was, uh, had a game docked off, is that right, in the US Open final for receiving on-court coaching. Was she adversely uh, or unfairly penalised in the way that men aren't, I think is the question of postulating. The panel. <coughs> I... <laughs> In my experience, this one comes down to sort of, are you, I think women generally think that Serena was like, yeah, you fucking tell him, love, yeah. You get up and he's got memory like, well, she's fucking out of order. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, that judge at that point, if he'd have just said, all right, love, that could have made it worse, couldn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's gone, I mean, imagine if that umpire had just gone, what, time of the month? Oh, too much, man, too much. But the thing is, like, she's a fucking top-class athlete. They are the best athletes, all act like pricks sometimes, and she acted like a prick. But I think the thing was that she called him a thief and a liar. And look, again, this can sound a bit old-fashioned, but I know, like, I'm not comparing this to a domestic row, but... Every, every once in a while, I, I think I'm in the same game as my wife, and then she just drops some massive bombs. Oh, wow, you just took it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that I think there is an argument. Are you guys okay, Jeff? What's that? Is everything okay? Things at are home? tough at home. <laughs> okay. I wasn't even supposed to be on this lineup, to be honest. Uh, but I think that there's certainly an argument that the original punishment was one that arguably wouldn't be given to the male players. But after that, she, she, she did kick off quite squarely. Felt like a normal answer there, didn't it? Uh, Sorry, <laughs> parsnip cock. <laughs> I think you stumbled across the answer really there, which is uh, more more tennis umpires should should be extras from 1970s carry on movies, uh, and then potentially <laughs> people won't kick off, will they? It's important that. <laughs> Again, the young Americans. No, this that's isn't going to mean. This is I wasted. Mean, if you think about it, wasted we, upon so many of you people. If we even tried to explain Sid James, <laughs> it would be to our national shame, wouldn't it? Yeah. Back in the day, right, we had these comedies that were really fucking creepy, and there was this ugly white guy that used to sort of touch women's asses and go. <laughs> It was a different time, in many ways a better yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. 
Ooh. Lauren, did you did you find as a lady on the panel? Did you find her rant like empowering? Because she said she was doing it for future generations of women. I did just love watching lasses kick off. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds us of being at home in the kebab shop at four in the morning. Just like yes, yes, hun, you fucking swing for them. <laughs> but I'm from a place where we're dead passionate about sport. Like not just the athletes, but the fans. Like we punched a horse just because we lost a fucking football game. So I'm like, <laughs> and I was at, I was at a gig with him once where he was in the crowd and the gig was so bad that he was the nicest behaved one the actual man who punched the horse he was by dead. the way americans that's not like a made-up bit of surrealism yeah. they're yeah. up north newcastle they they, they yeah someone punched a police someone horse brilliant horse. footage yeah. of a newcastle fan punching a police horse but then I've, I've been up there and presumably he was just trying to take it down as a snack <laughs> I, 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 you know, <laughs> fucking like like a bit don't they they just like a bit of roadkill up yeah. there what, if, if you travel north you realize that what's edible is negotiable there was no <laughs> there was no horse meat scandal in the northeast was there that's yeah. a preposterous bourgeois southern affectation <laughs> people in the north of england and i respect you for this you don't give a fuck what's in your lasagna you're, you're just glad you've got a lasagna i think that's great <laughs> there we go we've ended on the north south divide let's hear for your panel ladies and gentlemen that's burning issues tremendous I think we really got there. So that's it from episode 25. If you enjoyed that, then please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're very excited to be announcing our first properly live comedy store gig on the 1st of August in the beautiful surroundings of Hatfield House. So if you want to see great comedy live, then head to comedystorelive.co.uk to check that out. So you have been listening to Jeff Norcott, Eleanor Tiernan, Roger Monkhouse and Alex Keeley. On stage we also had Rob Rouse and Lauren Patterson. Special thanks as always to The Edge producer, Mr John Connor. See you next time. (laughs) 